So what does it take for a friendship to happen? Isn't that adorable? Isn't that amazing when we see two people or two beings who seem like they should be on opposite sides come together and love one another and care for each other? What is that force that could bring two different beings, two different animals together? Uh, it's not just a problem that we see in the wild. It's also something that we see with people. Uh, has anybody here ever felt like we are living in a divided world? Yeah, we feel like we're living in a divided world. Where is the place? Who is the one who can bring us together? I want to talk about that today as we hop into now the fifth week of our series called Positive Megatrends in the 21st Century Church. So we'll hop into that in full force in just a moment. Once again, my name is Danny Householder. I'm the campus pastor here at Hope Ames. Uh, I am so happy that we all get to gather here today. It is so fun to see our students back. It is so fun to see so many of you back, uh, whether you're on the floor or in the balcony. I'm just so glad that we're here. We say it. We're so glad that you're here. We say it every single week, but we mean it. We believe it's no accident that you're here. We've been praying for you, and so we are so excited that we get to worship together today. So, again, what does it take for people to come together? You know a place where people have not been coming together uh, as much often lately? Uh, you might already know where I'm going with this. It's, it's the church. Uh, trends show that less people are attending church, less people consider themselves a part of a church family these days. And I, and I want to talk about why today, but I also want to talk about the hope and where we can go with that. Because again, this series is called Positive Megatrends in the 21st Century Church. I wonder if maybe we've gotten off. I wonder if maybe we've gone in the wrong direction. This is not going to be a sermon where I'm just simply criticizing churches out there. This is not going to be a sermon where I'm just simply criticizing Christians in general. I'm a part of this. You are a part of a denomination that in a lot of ways is having a hard time right now. Our church is a part of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. There was a trend report that was released by an ELCA seminary just two years ago. And according to the trends, and this was before COVID, by 2041, average attendance on a weekend uh, in the ELCA among all of the different churches would be 16,000. And some of you might say, isn't that about hope? And I would say, yes, that's about hope. That's, like, that's a problem that we have, right? It's a really discouraging thing, too, considering just in the 80s, there were millions of people who were attending these worship services every single week. Again, maybe this is something that we're a little bit blinded to, sheltered from, because here at Hope, we're so fortunate. I don't know why, but God has blessed us with the ability to continue to grow. I do know this much. You are a big part of that. Thank you for opening your heart to the Holy Spirit, letting the Holy Spirit pour through you. But I want you to know that this does matter to us, because we're a part of something that's bigger than just those of us who are in this room. We ought to be praying for the entire church. We ought to be uplifting all Christians. We ought to be encouraging people to be part of a church family, whether that's this one here at Hope or if it's somewhere else in the city, somewhere else in the state, if you know somebody who lives somewhere else, getting involved in a local church where they live. It is important for the church to be strong. Some people say that they're scared about the demise of the church. Some people say that they're cheering on the demise of the church. Some people maybe think that they don't matter. And I wouldn't be surprised if there are people in this room where you think, well, maybe it just doesn't matter. Be careful with that. The Bible says over and again, God compares the church to his bride. God compares the church to his spouse. We ought to care about that. Now here's the really beautiful thing. You are the church. We say this a lot around hope. The church is not a place. The church is not a building. The church is a people. The church is a movement. The church is this place. The church is this thing. The church is this force. This church is this community that ought to be the thing that can bring people together even when it seems like we're opposites. I read an alarming statistic about church attendance, about church community involvement 
since the beginning of the pandemic, one in three Christian churchgoers say that they are no longer actively a part of a church. The reasons are very significant, but all of them can be summed up into one study found by one pastor in Ohio who did a study on her own congregation. She found that many of her church friends were not coming anymore, and that concerned her. So she reached out to them. And the number one reason why people gave, the number one reason why people gave is they said, I struggled to find important relationships in that church. I didn't have anything tying me in. So maybe we've gone off. Maybe we've gone wrong. Maybe we started to think that church really is just a building, a thing that we show up to instead of remembering that church is a relationship. It is a living, breathing thing that God says, I'm so in love with it, I'm calling it my spouse. It's important to God, and so therefore it must be important to us. Maybe we've gone wrong. Maybe we've gone off. It hasn't always been this way. Maybe we need to hit the refresh button. You ever hit the refresh button, the reset button on something? Uh, when I was uh, in, still in school and I had housemates, um, I saw a YouTube video that told me how I could set up my home screen on my phone that would just make it so much easier to use. I was convinced. It would make everything so much easier. And the YouTube video made it seem like that would be simple to do. I could handle that. I'm not a complete moron, right? I could do this. Maybe I am. <laughs> because I set this thing up and I'm like, I can't use my phone anymore. One of my friends happened to be working at a Verizon store at the time, and he's like, well, it's actually really easy. There's a, there's a button in your settings. If you go there, you can go to simply to reset, refresh, and your screen will go back to the way that you originally had it when you bought the phone. I'm like, get out. I hit the refresh. I hit the reset button. Maybe we need to refresh. Maybe we need to reset to remember how God made the church to be. In the same way that I needed to remember how the manufacturer made this phone to be, not my idea of it. I wonder if we've gone off. I wonder if we've gone wrong. There are other researchers and other groups out there that have done studies and surveys that have talked about maybe the different ways that the church has gone wrong, and they always point back to the beginning. What's different between now and then? Yes, the problem today is we are in a decline in church attendance and church community, but I'm not here just to blame the world. I get it. It's part of it. The world is a competitive place, right? There's all sorts of different ways to draw our attention. There are all sorts of different things that can occupy our time. There are also all sorts of different things that we can feel like are fulfilling our purpose. In the Western world especially, people are saying, I don't need a divine being to tell me how to live a valuable life. So we've started to believe that. We've started to buy into that. The book of Romans tries to urge us away from this where it says people started to worship creation rather than the creator himself. Let's get back to basics. Let's get back to the beginning. Let's be the kind of church that says, let's remember where we came from. How did the church start? How did it begin? It wasn't in decline. In fact, it blew up. It was erupting. Nothing could stop it. This, uh, if we could go forward just a couple of slides, this is going to come from Acts chapter 2. It says, those who believed, those who believed what Peter said. So Peter was one of the early Christians. He was one of the founders of the first church. Peter was a disciple of Jesus. There was this holiday called Pentecost. At the start of Pentecost, there were 120 people who considered themselves believers, followers of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit descends, fills them, it flows out of them, and all of a sudden, the church explodes. In one day, the church grows from 120 people to 3,000. In one day, Peter simply gave this sermon. People are like, what's happening here? Peter gives this sermon. It's not necessarily the most eloquent, thought-out, long sermon. It doesn't have all these different illustrations. He's just simply proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it says that the gospel message pierced their hearts. 
And they asked, what do we do now? About 3,000 in all were baptized and added to the church that day. They gathered. What was it that brought them together? What was that force? Is it what we're doing today? Again, this is not a critique of other churches. This is a critique of us. What are we doing as the body of Christ? That's also what God compares the church to in his holy word, the Bible. How do we believe the church is supposed to act? There's a professor from the same seminary that put out that trend report that said, here are the things that we're struggling with as a church, like not just an individual congregation, but the worldwide church, the capital C church, if you will. We've lost our identity. We've forgotten what makes us unique. Listen, if we want to become a political pawn, if we want to become a place that simply only fuels social justice movements just for the sake of social justice movements, we will learn very quickly that anybody can find those sorts of movements, those sorts of ideas, and those sorts of fulfillments anywhere else in the world. What is it that makes the church unique? There is something here. There is a magnetic force. There is something that draws us together. There was something that drew them together then. It was simple. I read another article this past week that said, what are the different things that churches need to do now facing a digital world after the COVID pandemic, uh, now that we've been living in the COVID pandemic and then moving forward out of the COVID pandemic? What are the things that we're going to have to do, right, in order to save the church? And I think that it was a really well-intended article, but I think it was off a little bit. It talked about different, like, digital and communication-type strategies, really kind of almost PR-type moves. It talked about having better preaching, which honestly kind of hurt. You know, maybe that's why I'm angled against this article. <laughs> but I wonder if it's more simple than that. Look, they didn't have anything fancy that first day in church history. They had a gospel message. It was simple, but it was enough. What is it that makes us unique? It is not what we can do. It is not what we can move. It is about the God who has already done something for us and is moving through us today. Let's refresh. Let's get back together. Oftentimes you hear pastors, you hear church leaders, I hear many of you saying, oh, please come to church, please get together, please. We have so many different things for you to come to. Please come to something. It, it wasn't like that in those days. You heard this in the Bible reading today, uh, just after Act, in Acts chapter 2, verse 44. It says, all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. Now, met together there is a little bit misleading in the English translations that we have. The translators write that so that we can understand, so that it makes grammatical sense. But in the Greek, what it's insinuating, there's all the believers were together. They, they were together where? All the time. They simply were together. They lifed together, is what the Greek is insinuating. They were always brought together. Back in those days, and later what we're going to see in the passage, is that they met in temples, they met in homes, they gathered together for large group worship services, then they also met in small groups later on, which is truly what we're trying to model church after today when we do it faithfully. But it's funny, today we say, please, please, come together, show up to something. Back in those days, they're like, we, we, we can't send you home. You won't go away. You won't do anything else. But it's interesting, today, sometimes we gather together, but we leave in our separate ways. We're not, like, actually lifing together. Look around the room. Are you lifing together with these people? I know it's not realistic to believe that you can life together with every single one of the hundreds, hundreds of people in this room. That's not realistic, and frankly, if you did that, most of your relationships would be very shallow. 
But are you lifing together with people in your church community? Are there people that you show up to worship with? Are there people that you go home and you have dinners with, that you have meals with, that you share communion and fellowship with? Are there people that you're serving alongside? Are you lifing together? Is there something that holds us? Yes, there is. But it's deeper than just showing up in the same place once a week. And I just want to faithfully, as your pastor, urge you to listen to this, to dive into God's word, to hit reset. I want to tell you, I thank you. I mean, look at this church. It's amazing. It's continuing to grow. It's a beautiful thing. But let's not believe that we've arrived, right? Let's continue to try to get better. Continue to try to get better. Let's remember what keeps us to stick. When I was thinking of like how to present this, I, I thought of an experience that I had in college. So when I was in college, um, I was a volunteer baker at the Waverly Health Center uh, near Wartburg College. Um, I had never baked anything in my entire life. Uh, but I thought, that sounds like an opportunity for me. Um, so people were in hospitals, probably not in the best situation of their life. And then I came in with my wonderful gifts. <laughs> I could tell them a joke or something. I don't know. So I've got my cookie dough in here, right? My cookie dough. And uh, I, I, would, I, would, I would get together with, with the other volunteer bakers. They were mostly my roommates. Um, and then we had a, uh, an, an actual baker in there who ran the kitchen at the hospital. And her name was Nadine, and she would try to help us. And she said, okay, here are the steps. And we'd assemble the dough. We'd get things together. And then finally she'd say, okay, what I want you to do next is I want you to put in the chocolate chips for the cookies. Okay, perfect. She goes, all right, all right, come on, do your thing. Let's do it. I'm like, okay, do my thing, whatever. And so I start, like, splitting it up into cookies already. She goes, stop! I'm like, Nadine, what's wrong? I got this, you know, bon appetit. She goes, you didn't work it in. She said, the chocolate chips are on top of the dough, but they're not in with the dough. You gotta, and then she like wraps her arms around me, which I felt a little bit weird about, but she was a, <laughs> she was like a grandmotherly type figure in my life for a couple of years. She goes, you gotta, and she grabs my hands, you, you gotta work it in. <laughs> like, are we lifing together? Or are we just showing up and piling in on top of each other at church? This rest of the sermon is going to be so hard to preach. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, well, I brought wipes, so that's good. I just didn't realize how many I would need. The truth is that sometimes I think some of us are approaching church the same way that I was approaching cooking or baking, uh, because apparently there's a difference between the two. I'm going to stall a little bit while I uh, <laughs> get my hands clear. Um, some of us are approaching church in the same way that I was approaching baking. We just, we just show up and sit there and like, okay, like... That's it, right? I'm connected. We got a life together. Later in this text, there's going to be a word that shows up in the Greek, and what it says is they were working in with themselves. The word that it's translated into in English is they devoted. They devoted to it. And what it literally means is they worked into it. They lifed together. We got to do more than just show up and pile on top of each other. We got to be there for one another. We got to love one another. We gotta care for one another. We gotta serve alongside of one another. We gotta believe that we can make a difference with one another. We absolutely can. All the believers met together. There was something that was drawing them together. And in the same way that, like, okay, so yes, could you, if you really tried, separate all the chocolate chips now from this dough? Yeah, yeah, you could, it would take you a long time and it'd be very difficult, wouldn't it? You can't necessarily see exactly what it is inside the dough that connects it so sticky to the chocolate chips. 
But there's something there that's drawing them together and keeping them together. And so it is with our faith. So it is with our church. And when we do that, we should not be surprised when people show up to it. And when we don't, we shouldn't be surprised when people don't want anything else to do with it because they can get those things anywhere else. Whether it's the movements, the calls, the ideas, they're very important things, but if they don't have that gospel message, we're lost. What is it that makes the church unique? What is it that keeps us to stick together? It's Christ. It's that simple message. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. That's what Peter preached, and that's enough. We shouldn't be shocked when people show up to it. I used Field of Dreams as an analogy a couple of weeks ago, so I'm sorry for doing this again, but it's just so timely that I really can't help myself. My wife and I, we were at a uh, wedding yesterday in Dyersville, Iowa. I was officiating the wedding for a childhood friend um, who's been a part of our church family for forever, so it was so fun to be out there. But we were also there Friday night for the rehearsal, um, and then we were staying in a hotel, and it was so hot, so I waited till later in the night to run. Um, and as I was running out on this country road in Dyersville, I was like, I've got to be getting close to the stadium, right? I've got to be getting close. And sure enough, there were the lights. I mean, it's like, I mean, it was late, and the lights were still on, and I couldn't believe it. As I start to approach this field, I mean, it was eerie. I took a picture. I had my phone, and I took a picture. It was eerie. I show up, and there, there's nobody there. It's empty, and I'm like, this is what it's like in the movie. And there was even, like, I had moved the bat, but there was even a little baseball bat right here. And so, like, I, woke, I approached, and I'm like, how could, I, how could I not? So I run up to the home base. I'm, I'm drenched in sweat. It was very humid. I pick up the bat, and I'm like, Whew. you know, I mean, I'm just ready to go. I never played baseball, can you tell? <laughs> you know? Oh, and so I, I swing, and I'm, I'm like, give like a, and I start running the bases. I feel like I'm, like, 10 years old again, but that wasn't enough. So I get to the base again, I pick it up, I'm like, I'm doing it again! And so I do it, and then this time I give like a bat flip, and I'm like going around, and I'm like doing the airplane, I'm like, this is amazing, this is just an experience for me, it's beautiful, it's wonderful. How many times do we show up to church and we feel like, you know what, this is just between me and God? <sighs> Man, oh, maybe I'll just blend in. I get it, there are going to be seasons in your life where you are not feeling up to the task to serve in every single way that you want to. And it's okay because there are seasons of your life where God says, I've called you into a place of rest and healing. That's okay. That's okay. But that rest and healing, while sometimes takes place in physical moments alone, it takes place within the church community that says, we are here to lift you up and to pray for you and to carry you and to trust that God still has a plan for you. That's how we encourage one another. But sometimes we show up we're like, this is just between me and God. But then what's stopping us? Why show up? Why be here? I mean, we could just worship online, right? Again, I want to say there are people right now who it is necessary for them to be worshiping online. It is not for them. But I do know because there are many people in this church who have told me, you know, sometimes it's just more convenient to wake up in the PJs and watch online. And you think I like to hear that? Good gravy! I love you so much. I, please don't misunderstand me on that. Um, I, I get it. Uh, I get it. I get it. But I, but I also want to urge us toward faithfulness. Um, the funny thing was is I'm like, this is just between, you know, this is, this is just an individual experience, that moment at the field. 
And uh, I get to the plate probably for the fourth time, and this time my hands are drenched in sweat. Like, you're thinking, like, Danny, you are 29 years old. Run away. Like, do something else with the night. I'm getting up there, and this time I even give him, like, a play-by-play, like, now up to bat for the Cubs. Shortstop, householder. Householder. <laughs> I'm like, okay, you know. And, like, and so I take this big swing. My hands are so sweaty. The bat actually flies out of my hand. I'm like, it's gone, baby, gone! You know, I start running, I start taking off, and as I get to second base, I look out to the outfield to see how far the imaginary ball has flown, and I realize that there are two men sitting in the cornfield <laughs> watching me. I'm like, how you doing? <laughs> I was shocked! Why would I be shocked that something so beautiful, so amazing, so encouraging wouldn't draw other people? Now, the worst part is, I didn't know what to do with myself, so I stop in my tracks and I start walking toward them. So what are you guys doing? They go, oh, we're renting out the house for the night. Apparently you can do that. I look in the window, there's like 10 of them just waving at me. (laughs) What middle school do you go to, they asked. But I'm not a quitter, so I round third, I look off to the right, there's a security team sitting right there. They're watching too, yay! Isn't it cute? (laughs) He can run the bases. They give me a a lollipop when I get done, say, all right, go home to your parents, and you know. Why was I surprised? Why was I so shocked? Do not believe that you should come to church and you should have this lonely experience. Don't get me wrong, God has this ability to be intimate with you and to be one-on-one with you and to speak with you in ways where you're like, am I the only one in this space right now? Open your eyes and open your heart. You are not the only one here. And praise God for it. You can look around this room and you can know that there are stories, there are passions, there are dreams, there are heartbreaks that would encourage you, that would restore you, that would give you the ability to lend an ear, to lend a heart, to lend a shoulder. It's what makes it different. There is something here that draws us together. And it's all the better when more people show up. Not just because it's more people, not just because it's a bigger number, but because every single one of those numbers, as my dad always told me when I was a kid, represents a nose. And every single nose is attached to a head. And every single head is attached to a neck, which is attached to a body. And that body's got a heart. There's a lot of hearts out there. God's saying, I'm going to reach him, but I'm going to reach him through you. Don't be surprised when they show up. Look at who showed up when we look at the first day of the church. It wasn't just like one group of people. Instead, it said, here we are. Bathians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia. Am I impressing you with knowing how to say these names? It's a dead language. We're not entirely sure. So, you know, if anybody ever tries to impress you, let it go, you know. All around the world is the point, though. They're from everywhere. What what was it? What was it that brought them together? There were a lot of religions. There were a lot of ideas. There were a lot of philosophies that were being thrown around the world around that time, just as there are today. What was it about the church that stuck people together? It was the all-inclusiveness love of God. I mean, religions of those days, in order to be converted to that religion, you also had to be converted to that culture. There is something about the heart of God that runs deeper in its unity among people than culture, than blood, 
than ideas and philosophies, than political parties, most definitely. There is something deeper. And then at the same time, there are the philosophies and the ideas that were being thrown around by the Greeks and the Romans, and those were for the intellects. It was only for the people who were super smart. But now here's a faith. Now there's a salvation that is not about where you come from, that is not about what you've done, that is not about your dreams and passions in life, but instead fills your dreams and passions in life, instead gives you a reason to pursue those movements, instead gives you a God to honor through those movements, and a God who says, I've called you to them, now let's go, because now there's going to be meaning behind it. And that God is all-inclusive. Every single person from every single place, of every single race, of any tribe, Revelation chapter 7 says, then I saw a vast crowd talking about heaven. It was too great to count. People from every race, nation, nation, tribe, and tongue. All of them were there. It's better when we're together. It's better when we're different. This faith, this thing that unites us and sticks us together, it is attractive and and it brings people together whether they are rich or they are poor, whether they are young or they are old. You know, sometimes I would say that some of our biggest divisions come from young and old. One of the things that I found interesting about getting older and realizing that there are generations that are younger than me, which has been, like, really hard for me to accept, is understanding that some of the younger generations below me don't think that I'm cool. I'm like, what? I used to call older people not cool. Now I'm with the older people saying, you're not cool. But it's part of life. I start to think that maybe our way of life, maybe the way that we used to do things, maybe the way that we want things to be done in the future is the right way. So we start to disagree starts to split us up. Not in the church. Not in the church. I was told before I was moving to Ames that if you're going to live in Ames, you're going to have to have a heart for people that are of a different age than you. Because here in Ames, every single school year, we double in size as a city. There are students who come here. And students, I'm so stinking glad that you're here and you're a part of this church. Do you know what happened Wednesday night? It's incredible. We, were at, we had Kairos, which is our college ministry. We kicked off Wednesday night um, for the fall, over ni- and I like I we lost track at 900. Over 900 students showed up to the campanile on the south lawn. Praise God for it! Incredible, it's amazing. And maybe we're gonna say, oh, but see, then the church was divided, right? So like, there's just a place for the young people to show up. No, it's pretty cool. You know what the coolest thing I thought about the night was, like. The whole church showed up. I know not like literally every single person, but the whole church invested into it. Take a look at the pictures on this next page. You know what was so cool? So many different people of so many different ages came to serve and love on those students. It was incredible. So right here we've got our volunteers, Cheryl and Chad, who are passing out uh, T-shirts. And you know what one of the cool things was? As the students were walking away, there was one student who came up to me and said, so uh, your whole church is in on this, huh? And I'm like, Yeah. Because a healthy church, the reset, refresh button on the church brings us back to a place where we are together. It was so cool. I mean, there was, Rod Bodholt was there. He's filming on his camera the entire time. And he's got this incredible footage that we're using for, for, for videos to promote it again in the future. We had different adults, uh, even from other campuses. That's Janelle. She goes to our West Des Moines campus. She showed, out, showed up just to hand out cookies. There's Pete and Carrie who serve in our student ministry. Uh, student ministries here at Hope Ames. They showed up because they just want to show and say... I know that like you're in a different place of life than me, but I just want to show up and love you and care for you. Because there's something that goes deeper than our age. There's something that goes deeper than our ideas. There's something that goes deeper than our biases. There's something that goes deeper than our blood. 
There's something that goes deeper than our culture that has the ability to stick us together. It is true. And so in the, in the early church, they did gather together. They were devoted to one another. Let's hop back into the Bible reading for today. In the book of Acts, it says, They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. They couldn't get enough of one another. They had to be together. They had to be in fellowship. Church, we are meant to be together. And this is a church where we are doing everything we can, where there is a place for you to show up and have intimate relationships. That's why we have Dude Olympics on Monday night. If you're a dude, come out. I want to see you there. That's why we have a women's group that meets every single, every single Saturday morning. That's why we have a 50-plus group that's going to be meeting. That's why we've poured so much into our student ministry uh, efforts this year with Pete and Carrie and how they're just going to be taking off Power Life and Ignition and Hope Kids. I'm so excited about that. There's a reason why we have all these different places for all of you to plug in uniquely, but then there's also a reason why there's a family reunion for all of us to get together every single Sunday. Not so that we come together and just meet each other once again and spread out. No, so that we come in together, we do life together, we life together, we work in together. And then we see how God transforms us. Then we see how God moves us. It's not an idea. It's not a philosophy. It's not a culture. It's not a race. It's not a blood type that draws us together. It is the God of the universe who says, I have put my image in every single one of you, and so your soul longs to get to know me more. And the more that you get to know the people around me, the more of a, of a full image that you get of the image of God. We are meant to be together, to show up around one another, and so here's the thing. It's not like we just get together, we sing songs, and we listen to talks, and we laugh a little bit, and we do different activities. No, we're doing everything with this at the forefront of our mind, and they did it in the early church, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. Everything we do, everything we do is fueled by this. This is what sticks us together. It is to glorify, praise, and honor the God of the universe. Because this God of the universe calls us his spouse, calls us the love of his existence, calls us the reason why he sent his son into the universe to die for us, but to not stay in death, but to come back into life and share victory with us for all of eternity. If we don't like coming together, we need to start getting used to it, exercising our souls so that we enjoy the company of one another because this is a foretaste of eternity. And it's going to be a lot bigger than this. How beautiful it is when God's people come together. So what is the church's purpose? What are we supposed to do? What does it look like when we reset? The first is we enjoy God. We enjoy God. We praise God in all that we're doing. You know, a lot of times people say, well, why do you have to talk about your faith? Why do you have to be so loud about it? You know what's cool about that Field of Dreams experience? Like, don't get me wrong, I was a little bit embarrassed, but then by the time that I got back and I was talking to my wife, I was like, Abby, we have to go tomorrow. We have to go tomorrow. Because if you really enjoy something, you can only complete enjoying it by talking about it, by celebrating it, by praising it. When the Chicago Bears drafted Justin Fields, I had to tell everyone about it because we have the next Patrick Mahomes. Sorry, Packers fans. I, I don't know. That's not that big of a deal. But do you know what I'm saying? Let me put it this way. If the Cyclones beat the Hawkeyes next week, are you going to tell them about it? Two weeks, are you going to tell people about it? Of course. They'll call the whole universe, especially your Hawkeye friends, to convert them to the goodness. Yeah, okay. Okay, so that stuck, but apparently we have a lot of Packers and Vikings fans in the room. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> to really enjoy God, you praise God. It's not something that's just like, well, it's just, in, it's just between me and God. No, I mean, like, to really soak in God. Like, some, 
very common question that we get asked as pastors. Haley and I have conversations all the time. Like, so what are the questions you're getting asked lately? A very common question that we get asked as pastors. Like, how do I know that my faith is real? Like, how do I know that, like, I'm really getting to know God? If you're really getting to know God, you cannot hold it inside. I get it. There are seasons of your life where you are healing. And maybe vocally you will be, you will be keeping quiet. But God's testimony is pouring through you. God's still moving through you. When you enjoy God, you worship God, you honor God, you tell people, I, I just got to tell you. I mean, it's like when you hear this new song, I got to show you this new song. You got to hear it. It's amazing. It'll change your life. God will really change their life. Enjoy God by praising God. That's what the church does together. We welcome and we serve all. The more that there are, the more different places, the better it is. We welcome all and we serve all. And finally, we share life. We do life together. We don't just pile up on top of one another. We actually work in with one another and discover what it is that draws us together, that keeps us together. And don't be surprised when people are drawn to it. The end of the passage just says this very clearly, and I love it. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Within two days, like another 2,000 people were added to the church. Don't be surprised when they see this, when they hear this and they want to show up. I was blown away on Wednesday night when over 900 students showed, to the, showed up to the Campanile. But the same, like, should I have been? Should I have been? Because you know what? You are a church that lets the Holy Spirit move through you. You are a church that truly enjoys God. You know God because you can't help but tell people about God. It's incredible. Do you, I received from, from Wednesday to Friday, I received over 30 emails from parents and grandparents and text messages as well that said, thank you so much to your church. Your church is an answer to our prayers where we've asked God, please provide a home for our students to show up to. Because of you, they have that. Thank you for being in that church. Perhaps we shouldn't be surprised when the students are going to be showing up to Power Life and Ignition. Perhaps we shouldn't be surprised when hundreds of students fill this room for Vacation Bible School and thousands of children fill our campuses across Central Iowa for Vacation Bible School. Perhaps we shouldn't be surprised. Because when we are the church, when we refresh, when we get back to who we really are, not what we think we need to do, but who we really are, we'll see that each day God's going to add to this fellowship. God's going to add to this lifing that we are doing together. This is what's going to happen. It's this is what's going to happen. I don't just say this to you today like, oh, you know, I don't know, like I'm hoping the church works out. No, I have a real, true, secure hope in Christ Jesus that this is going to be his bride forever. Because when God says something, and when God wishes for something, and God hopes for something, it's not a wish upon a star. It's fact. Jesus says a prayer in the garden just before he's handed over to be betrayed and to put on trial and to be arrested and to be crucified and to die for our sins. Jesus gives this prayer, his last intimate moment that we're given insight into with his father. He says, I pray that they, meaning you and me, all people to come, they will be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. This was the purpose of Jesus' life, for the people of God to come together and to have nothing that could separate us from that loving power that keeps us sticking together for all of eternity. Jesus prayed for it. Jesus died for it. Jesus rose from the dead for it. 
and Jesus is coming back for it. That's what we got. That's our message to share. That's what keeps us to stick together. Church, will you stick together? Church, will you stick together? I see your heads nodding, but I want to hear it. Church, will you stick together? Yes. Yeah. Church, will you enjoy God by sharing God with the world around you? Yes. Church, will you enjoy God by sharing God with the world around you, by welcoming all people and serving all people? Yes, yes we will. Because this is what Jesus lived for. This is what Jesus died for. This is what Jesus rose for. And this is what Jesus is coming back for. And we will see the fellowship being added to. And while we will be blown away, we won't necessarily be surprised. We'll say, God, you promised. And you stay true to your promises. Amen. Let's stand up and worship this amazing God.